0: Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the wonderful gift of salvation that has been granted to us. We pray, God, that you would give us insight and understanding and knowledge and wisdom today. May we glorify you as we look at your word and as we engraft it in our heart. And may the name of the Lord Jesus be praised this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Well. Last week I told you a story about my grandfather who <clears throat> was in World War II, and uh, he was a navigational officer in the, in the Navy uh, during the war, and his ship was torpedoed uh, off of South Africa, about 300 miles off the coast, and um, he, uh, long story short, most of you already heard it, so I won't tell it all again, made it over South Africa, and uh, they trounced around for Five, six, seven days over there before they finally found somebody after spending five days at sea. And uh, he only had shorts, a t-shirt, and socks because uh, he had been in bed. And when the first torpedo hit, he, it hit, hit so hard he banged his head and it kind of dazed him and knocked him out for a little bit. So uh, uh, long story short, but it took six months for them to pick him up uh, because of the intensity of the war and because of their efforts and because of multiple factors. And so by the time he got home, it had been two and a half years. And when he got back home, he had lost everything on the ship. The, uh, you know, the Army or the Navy gave him a pair of pants and a couple of shirts, <clears throat> and uh, that, that was pretty much it. And uh, he comes back, and he comes back with one pair of pants, two pair of shorts, and a, and a few shirts. And the pair of pants he had, he'd been wearing all the time. Because back then, people didn't wear shorts Uh, Particularly if you're in military, you didn't wear shorts. And uh, so at least adults didn't uh, in that time of history. It wasn't uh, really as acceptable as it is now. So uh, he only has those two pair of shorts, and my dad, about the second day after he gets home, has a tremendous toothache, so he said, well, I'll take him to the dentist. My, my grandparents lived about 15 miles outside of uh, a little town uh, called Leesville, which at the time had less than 2,000 people, but it had a military base, Fort Polk, right next to it. Well, he takes my dad to the dentist, and it looks like it's going to be a while, so he decides to go downstairs and go uh, walk around on the street there for a moment while they're waiting, and. Uh, there are a couple of MPs, military police, from the Army, 19, 20-year-old guys who see him and they're suspicious of him because they've never seen him before. Never seen this guy here before. And that was a time in our history uh, where there was a lot of paranoia and where people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities were just getting put into camps, is what they called them. And, uh, and so here's a guy they've not seen before. And so they decide, you know what, this guy might be a spy. A matter of fact, they go up to him, they ask him, um, for identification. He didn't have any identification with him. And uh, so they start to cart him off. So they've got one on each arm. My dad, a nine-year-old boy, looks out and sees his dad being taken by the military police. His dad has been gone for two and a half years in the war. And he's seen his dad being carted off. And so he runs down there. And he gets my uncle, who's a barber, across the street. And they come and they verify who he is. Uh, because he had on the shorts, because they had not seen him, uh, they made the assumption... You know, this guy can't be trusted. When, in fact, he had been serving the country before they had ever, long, before they had ever joined the military. Uh, his ship had been tor- torpedoed. He had spent five days at sea, five to six days in, the, in, the, in a jungle area, and uh, was a decorated officer. But, you know what? Sometimes decisions are made emotionally. You know, that happens a lot with evangelical Christians. A lot of people who are evangelicals, would say, you know what, I love God. And the way that I love God is I emotionally try to connect with Him. I try to feel it, try to pray, try to sing songs. I try to do whatever I can to kind of feel Him. And then I try to serve Him. I try to do things for Him too. But when you talk about your mind, a lot of, a lot of people will say, but, you know, I'm not into all that. I just trust God. I'm not worried about any of those facts, any of those details. doesn't really matter. Yeah, I've never read those books in the Bible. You know, I just think the important thing is you just love God. You know what the greatest commandment was, though? Matthew chapter 22. Matter of fact, it's in three, cha- it's in three different books. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and uh, it's in Luke. Jesus three times said, the greatest commandment is this, is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind. Now, there's some of you, you just love God with your mind. you just knowledge. You're just reading and researching and forget the heart and the service part. I'm just going to learn a bunch. Okay, You're only loving God one-dimensionally. He's asked us to love, us, love him with all his heart, soul, and mind. And that is the greatest command. So what I want to do today, you know, this is a toolbox. It's not actually my toolbox. Uh, I'm not sure what you do. You know, I grew up, and my dad only had two tools, a crescent wrench and a screwdriver. And uh, you can fix all things by beating on them. We used it as a hammer. So I was not really raised uh, to use tools properly much less even really use tools. Uh, but this is a, the reason we have toolboxes is to help us to maintain what we have, it help us to fix and repair and strengthen and uh, to keep things accurately growing or ac- ac- accurately moving and functioning. So today what I want to do is I want to give you some tools. A lot of times people say, man, I, I need to go to that service or I need to do that because I need to be fed, and, and that's great, that's important. But you know what's even more important? That you learn how to feed yourself. Because you never know where God's going to put you one day, where the opportunity to hear it all might kind of dry up. So what you want to do is you want to learn to feed yourself. And so I want to give you some resources, and I want to give you some encouragement to study the Word of God and the importance of knowing and studying the Word of God. And so as we do that uh, this morning, uh, I want to strongly encourage you to uh, grab some notes that I have on the way out that uh, all of the, all of this is listed in much more detailed. I want to give you some things today, uh, but in a much more detailed fashion, you will have all this information. And um, you know, I as we talk about loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, the way that we love God with our mind is this: first of all, uh, it is by knowledge. We learn, we take notes, we read, we study. The Bible says, study to show yourselves approved as workmen that need not be ashamed, that rightly divide the word of truth. So that is a way through knowledge. Uh, Another way that we do it is um, through memorizing, uh, memorizing scripture and learning it and putting it into our hearts. Uh, Another way that we do it, we'll talk about later, is meditating. Uh, But the way that I want us to talk about for just a moment here is through reason. Now, many people have been told this. Are many people, actually Christians, take this mentality. Well, yeah, there are, there are questions out there about, you know, about creation. There are questions out there about Jesus and where did he come from. And, and I know there are other religions. And, you know, I'm do not going to think about all that. And as a matter of fact, I, I, don't, I can't answer any of those scientific questions, so I just kind of check my mind at the door and I don't think about that. I don't even want to hear it. But that's not really loving God with your mind. There are good reasons To believe that there's a God, and there are good reasons to believe that Jesus Christ is the salvation, is the Son of God in which He has sent to us. Okay, so there's good logical reason. Now, I was at Starbucks, I don't know, It's probably seven or eight years ago, with a friend of mine who's an apologist, uh, who actually is is an expert in defending the faith. And uh, we were reading, we were going through some Bible passages, and this 21, 22-year-old guy comes up to us, and he goes... See you're studying the Bible. Said, Yeah, we are. He goes, You know, there are a lot of books in there that used to be in there and they got taken out, and there are a lot of those that you're studying right there that got added about four hundred years later. I go, Really? Tell me about that. He goes, Well, yeah, I've been studying this a lot and there's a lot of problems with the Bible, a lot of things should be there, a lot of things taken out, and, you know, you know and they've now found the, um, the tomb of Jesus, and, and Mary Magdalene was right next to him, and it was apparent that that was his wife, and they had children, and uh, I go, help me out historically for just a moment. I said, um, what scholar do you have that, that will attest to the claims that you're making? I'm talking about a scholar. He goes, oh, there's a lot. Right, name one. And he kept avoiding the subject. I said, Name, just give me one scholar. I want to know one scholar, academic respected scholar. He goes, uh, Joseph Jacovici. And I'd been studying the Da Vinci Code at the time, and I don't, you probably don't even know who Jacovici is. And I go, that doesn't count. He's a Hollywood director. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, and he was a little stunned that I even knew who I was. And I, and I usually don't know who Hollywood directors are, but he had written some r- ridiculous books. And I said, so you can't give me a Hollywood director as a scholar. I said, give me one academic scholar that would verify your claims. He couldn't give me one. He said, okay, i got a question for you. You give me a couple of scholars that verify your claims of the Scripture. So I started quoting some people, and he goes, no. He said, no, who are they? What are they? And I go, well, they're theologians. No, 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 not somebody who's paid to believe that. I want to know somebody outside of theology and religion. And I could only come up with one. And uh, my my one was better than his one. but uh, I could only come up with one. I just started thinking, I said, man, I I ought to know more people than that. And so it kind of put me on a quest to study and to find uh, find scholars who were outside of theology who attest to Christianity, who not only believe in God, but call themselves uh, born-again Christians. And so uh, I started to do that and started to study, and, and I found a, a, really a wealth of people. And I've got a list of 25 names out there that you can pick up. Now, I know some of you are going, are we really talking about this? And quite frankly, you're the people who say, I just want to love God emotionally. Am I? This is your chance, okay? I want, to ta- I want you to go and pick that list up, and, and if for no other reason, if somebody asks you one, t- one day, give me a Christian scientist who follows the Bible, or who believes in Christianity, who calls himself an evangelical, and you can pick that list up and go, I'll give you five, and they'll be very impressed, okay? So I want to just give you a few names. There are many more out there. I want to just give you a few names of people who are well respected in the academic community uh, who are not theologians. The last one is, but he was also a molecular biophysics professor. professor before that. The first one would be uh, John Lennox, Dr. John Lennox, who has two PhDs from Cambridge and Oxford. He's taught at Oxford for a long time. He's the chairman of the mathematics department and applied science and uh, just a brilliant, brilliant scholar. Uh, He debates uh, Dawkins. He used to debate Hitchens. Just a brilliant, brilliant mind. Dr. Francis Collins, uh, the foremost geneticist of our day, uh, recognized Uh, By matter of fact, by a president received the national award for science uh, for his development improvement. Matter of fact, many would say that we're going to look back at him a hundred years from now and and look at him uh, like a Louis Pasteur or or, uh, one of these great developers for his work in DNA and in genetics. Uh, Matter of fact, he's cutting edge. I mentioned to you Christopher Hitchens, who was the the famous atheist uh, who died about a year and a half ago. As Christopher Hitchens was, was dying and he realized that, you know what doctor he called? He called for Francis Collins. He's a PhD and MD. Because he said, you know what, I, I, I definitely don't believe what, um, what uh, Dr. Francis Collins believes, but I believe him to be the greatest medical mind of our generation. So that's who he called. He's, Hitchens was a multimillionaire, he was an atheist, and he had. He, tri- he got Francis Collins, not because of his faith, but because of his uh, academic and medical knowledge. And he even said, if I would have started with him six months earlier, I think he would have probably saved my life. Uh, so great mind. He was, a, he was an atheist himself. And as he began to do his research, he, he believed that as he researched DNA and genetics, that it screamed, there must be a creator uh, Dr. Alvin Plantinga, who's a longtime professor of philosophy at Notre Dame, uh, also regarded as probably the top philosopher of our day, uh, of this century, of the 21st century, right now. Another great mind, very respected uh, in the academic field. Dr. Michael McConnell, for those of you who are attorneys or at law, uh, he's a former federal judge and now is the chairman uh, of and director of constitutional law at Stanford Law School uh, in Stanford over in California. A great mind, great guy. And then Dr. Alistair McGrath. He's actually a theologian, but he also was an atheist. And uh, at Oxford began to study. And it was interesting to listen to him talk. He said, you know, I was an atheist, because it was just kind of easy, because it just assumed, I just assumed it was right, and it just made the most logical sense. Uh, but then I got really challenged in college to begin to study and to, to define why I was an atheist. And, and through that process, uh, he said, I, I came to the very real conclusion that there must be a God, which eventually led me to Christianity. He was a molecular biophysics professor. Uh, he now has a Ph.D. in theology as well. Uh, brilliant mind, uh, another uh, Oxford professor, Oxford trained, as well as Cambridge, uh, double PhD. I've, I've got a, again, I've got a list of about 25 names. I'd encourage you to pick that up. But just so you know, uh, when people say, who are the scientists, who are the great minds, there, there are plenty uh, who have come to that place. And I, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, on A lot of these guys, at, there was a point that they were atheists or agnostics. And it was literally the science that drove them to search uh, for a deeper meaning. and I, As Dr. McGrath said, he said, there were some questions science just couldn't answer, and there were some questions that it posed that in my mind demanded that there be a God. Great information, great folks. I uh, hope you'll take the time to study that and learn about it. Now, I want to read some Scripture to you uh, as we pause and think for just a moment uh, the, the importance that Scripture places on us knowing the Word Of God, Second Timothy two fifteen. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Second Timothy three fourteen through seventeen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom. One of the things that the scripture does is it gives you wisdom, and it gives you salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Paul has been in Thessalonica, and his message, the gospel, has not been received. But he comes preaching this message to the Bereans. And it's a very, uh, just a very enlightening uh, verse about the Bereans and about their dedication to study the Word of God. Uh, it says that they were more open than the people in Thessalonica, and since they, were wel- since they welcomed the message with eagerness and examined or studied the Scriptures daily to see if these things were true. Paul comes preaching the gospel, and they begin to study the Scriptures to see if it was true. Now, what's very interesting about that, you know what they were studying? They weren't studying the New Testament. It hasn't been written at this point. I mean, it's in it's in oral form at this point. They've probably heard the teachings of Christ, but they don't have any written documents. The only written documentation they have is the Old Testament. So they have been studying the Word of God. They've been studying the Old Testament, and as they read the prophecies and as they hear what is being taught, they recognize this in fact is fulfillment of the prophecies that, of for the Christ who was to come. Scriptures also help us to, to renew our minds, according to uh, Romans chapter twelve, verse two. First Peter two two says it's how we grow. Like newborn infants, desire the pure spiritual milk. The Scriptures, the Word of God, is to be read so that we may grow by it for your salvation. Psalms 119.98 says that the Scripture imparts wisdom to us. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for you are always with me. And Philippians 2.16 tells us it's our life and our purpose. Hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. The importance of Scripture. Now, I want to share with you just a few tools um, that you uh, may be interested in. Some of you still buy books. Some of you, I know, uh, use your iPad and your Kindles, and that's fine. For those of you who actually buy books, uh, I think it's important. If you're going to feed, learn to feed yourself, you're going to learn to study, to get you a good study Bible. Now, my favorite is the ESV study Bible. matter of fact, probably next year we'll be moving to the ESV. Holman has a good study Bible. There's the life application study Bible. There's there's a lot of them out there. This just happens to be my favorite. So when I'm preparing, if I I start a sermon, this is usually where I'll start. I'll read through the chapter, I'll read the passages, and uh, I'll just read through my study Bible. Uh, Next, uh, another great tool to have is what we call a Bible dictionary. Uh, you can also get a Bible encyclopedia, but what is a Bible dictionary for? Well, if I'm reading a passage of Scripture, and it tells me about a place, or a person, or an event, and I go, who's that? Where was that? What event is they talking about? I get my Bible dictionary out, and I look it up, and there it is. And it tells me about it, and it brings new life and new light to the passage. And then, uh, last but not least, commentaries. Now, uh, you know, you may not want to go buy the commentaries. Uh, you can certainly go online. There are a lot of good commentaries online on the websites that I'm about to share with you uh, that you can actually use. But if you want, I, I still like paper. I still like books. I still like reading, believe it or not, uh, from, from, from words on paper. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm having a hard time doing the other, transitioning to even use a Kindle. But nevertheless, uh, this is a very simple commentary. It's not what I necessarily regard as the best one but I would regard it as the easiest one. So if you've never done a Bible study and you're saying, I'm brand new to this, and I don't really know a lot, this is the place I'd start. Matter of fact, it usually has a pink cover. There are two of them, and it's called the Bible Exposition Commentary. It's by Warren Wiersbe. And so it's a great one you can use. They're actually, uh, again, they have a pink cover. I took the pink covers off. Uh, But they have a pink cover and a great little commentary. There's hundreds and hundreds of commentaries. And again, you can use... Uh, you can use the commentaries online that are provided. Now, let's talk about it because this is a tech generation. Let's talk about the tools that are available online. Number one, version. Uh I hope you have a copy of version. I have that on my phone. And first of all, you have your Bible translations. There are many of you in here on Sunday mornings uh, that will use, use that as your Bible uh, because there's the scripture right there. And not only that, uh, the scriptures that I'm using today and the, and the title of the sermon, uh, if you go to U version, a matter of fact, it's up right now, and you clicked up on the top left-hand side, and then you'd see live, and you can press live, and you'll see one of the options is Rock Point Church. And you can see there, and you can take notes. You can see the scripture that I'm reading. You can see the title. That information is there for you. So it's a great free app. I encourage you to get that. Another one is BibleGateway.com. Uh, You can look up any passage you want to. Like uh, when I was preparing this week and I'm using these scriptures and I want to see all the passages of scripture that talk about the word of God or or talk about teaching or whatever subject I want to talk about and I can type that in there it will give all of them to me. If you ever said, what is that verse you know? that uh, talks about, you know, God's coming to the earth, or God will come again, or the earth will be destroyed with fire. You can type that in there, and it'll give you those verses. You don't have to call me anymore. Uh, you, can, uh, you can just put those into Bible Gateway, and it'll give those to you. It also has commentary, as well as another site, blueletterbible.org. There are commentaries there, so I encourage you to use that. A couple of apps, uh, certainly the YouVersion app, uh, but the uh, uh, I Talk to God, if you have a, an iPhone, it, that is a great devotional. Uh, just, it's set up where you can just kind of let God talk to you. you, can put questions in there, it'll answer you with Scripture. Kind of a really neat deal. And then for those of you with children... Uh, Homefront is something that we use here at the church with our curriculum, but there's also uh, two apps that I put on my phone that this is what I send my children to. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, I know you're all good parents. You never let your kids use, tech, uh, use your phone, but uh, sometimes I'm in that situation and my kids are, are, you know, not being the perfect angels that they normally are, and, uh, you know, I'm talking with someone or whatever the case may be or we're having to wait in a long line. Now I'm in control of apps. Here's two. Superbook Kids Bible, Uh, I think it's like 99 cents, it's by CBN, and Evangelism Fellowship. Uh, It's actually Child Evangelism Fellowship. And uh, you can do the 99 cent, or you can even pay a little more and get their whole deal And there are, like, videos of every Bible character and almost every book of the Bible. There are games. There are all these things that you can do. And so uh, yesterday we had that moment, and I go, okay, guys, here are the apps you can do. If you do anything else, I'll cut your hands off. So, uh, but here's your app right here. So, great one for children, also for iPads. There's beginner apps. Uh, There's David Bible Beginners and David and Goliath. Those are all listed out there. Encourage you to pick those up. Now let's talk just a moment about studying your Bible. Uh, How do I study my Bible? I mean, I've never studied my Bible. How do I even start that process? I'm a new believer, or I've just never learned. What is the process that I would start? Well, first of all, pray and and just decide where are you going to start? You know, we did the Gospel of Mark. We took a year and went through the Gospel of Mark. So let's say I was going to study the Gospel of Mark. How would I start? Well, first of all, I'd start I say, God, just give me wisdom and understanding as I read this, and give me understanding, and then I just read the whole book. And that may sound like a lot, but you could do it in about 30 minutes. So just commit to read the book so that you, un- you understand where it starts, where is it in, and what's happening in the book. After you've read the book, uh, maybe the next day you come back and say, okay, I'm going to start with chapter 1. And I'm just going to start with the first 10 or 11 verses, and I'm going to read that. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. And then as you read that, reflect and listen. Reflect upon the scripture, reflect about what you just read, and listen and say, God, speak to me. And what are you hearing him say as you read through that passage? After that, uh, observe and write. Make observations. So if you took those first 10 or 11 verses from Mark, you'd see it says Jesus is the Son of God. It says that he, uh, it quotes Isaiah saying he's the fulfillment of these prophecies. Um, and you continue to go, and you see, here's John the Baptist, who is he? He talks about baptism. Uh, I even see the voice of God. Uh, l- literally, the voice of God affirms who Jesus is. And you start to see all these observations. You know, Howard Hendricks over at Dallas Theological Seminary used to do this with his students. He used to get his students in, and he'd say, all right, let's take out your Bibles, look at John chapter 1, verse 1. Now I want you to write down 25 observations. They'd do that, and he goes, all right, I want you to write 25 more. 25 more? Are you kidding me? Now I want you to do 25 more. 25 more. A hundred observations from one verse. Uh, And he would encourage them to keep going. He said he one time had a student make 300 observations of that one verse. Now what that tells us is it's easy for us to just rush over and miss a lot. But if you take the time to reflect and to write down observations, you'll have a clear understanding of that passage, and it'll just bring new life and new light to you as you reflect upon that passage. Then it's time for you to use your resources at that point. You can use the Bible dictionary, use your commentaries. Let's see, I've, I've read through this, I've thought about it, I've made observations. Here's what I think. Now what do the commentators say? And again, you can use free, the free sources online. And uh, then... You ask yourself, what is the point? What is the main point? And it should have already been answered for you by now. You, you will have come up with what you think, then you've read the commentators. Uh, it'll be in your study Bible. Here's the main point of what is being communicated here. Now, how do I apply that? How do I apply that? Well, you ask the question, well, what, what did that mean back then? What did that mean to the people who were hearing that? And as you read the commentary, it'll kind of answer that. Now, wh- and then you think to yourself, what does that mean to me today? And write down how what this means to me today is this. You write it down, and uh, you've just done a Bible study for yourself right there. You are in the process of feeding yourself, which God greatly encourages us to do. It's interesting. I was reading an article uh, by Jeff Kaufman, uh, he had an article in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. And he 's a professor at Dartmouth University and in search of their research, and one of the things he 's doing with a couple other professors is researching the impact of reading as opposed to viewing. Uh, and this is a secular study has nothing to do with Christianity, and so uh, particularly when it comes to characters and uh, biographies and autobiographies, and uh, what he found was that when people read, when they resonate, they find something they like and they read about a character. When they read it, they will begin to assimilate certain aspects of those, that character into their lives. It'll start to influence how they think and what they behave and how they believe through reading. His research is showing from movies and television, not so much. You'll watch a movie or you watch television and you'll be inspired and in two days you'll forget about it. You're not thinking, oh, uh, boy, I... I remember how Tom Hanks responded in that movie. You're not thinking that, okay? That's not what what resonates in you. But he's finding there's something that happens when we read that we actually begin to assimilate those values into our life. Uh, And again, this is a secular study, but the Word of God has already made that crystal clear. And that's why God has commanded us and encouraged us to study to read His Word. Now we talked about one of the ways that we love God is with our mind earlier. And here's what I want to do the last few minutes here. I want to invite you for just a moment to just close your eyes. And I want to just read this Scripture to you. And I want you to just marinate in it and just let hear it as God speaking to you. This is from Psalms 119. This is God speaking to you. So if you would, just be still for a moment. Close your eyes and just ask, invite God to speak to you. And then just listen and receive how happy are those whose way is blameless who live according to the law of the Lord happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart They do nothing wrong. They follow his ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about your commands. I will praise you with a sincere heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes and never abandon them. How can a young man stay pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your law and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. "'Deal generously with your servant so that I might live. "'Then I will keep your word. "'Open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. "'I am a stranger on earth. "'Do not hide your commands from me. "'I am continually overcome by longing for your judgments. "'You rebuke the proud, the accursed, who wander from your commands. "'Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees.' Though princesses sit together and speak against me, your servant will think about your statutes, and your decrees are my delight and my counselors.